Hello, and welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine, where we are unfolding the Victorian love story contained in the letters of two ordinary people from Yorkshire, Fred Shepherd and Janie Warburton. I'm Ingrid Virgil Hughes, and I just happen to be their great-great-granddaughter. Each week, we travel 140 years back in time to discover the latest happenings. And today, Fred is missing Janie dreadfully, and seems to be sinking into his lemon collie. In the last few episodes, I've been rather spoiled, as we have been able to enjoy Janie and Fred's back-and-forth correspondence. But for now, for the rest of December 1881, frustratingly, Janie's letters are missing. I've been through the stack of letters multiple times trying to see if they got tucked somewhere else by mistake, but to no avail. It's quite possible they went missing decades ago or even longer. Janie's letters resume at the back end of December, but in the meantime, I'm going to have to piece together what's been going on just through Fred's eyes. It's frustrating because I do love her bubbliness and cheeky sense of humour, and it's such a wonderful foil for when Fred takes himself a bit too seriously especially with this next letter, where you can feel Fred sinking into despondency, where he describes the most wet and miserable of Sundayish Sundays. Royal Exchange, Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, December the 11th, 1881. My own darling... I received your letter this morning and I cannot fully describe to you its effect for cheering me up. I think that everyone gets nicer and nicer. I read it through three times over my breakfast. So you may guess that I appreciated it, my darling. Had it not been for it, I should have been utterly miserable. I intended going to church this morning, but there was no water, so that I could not shave myself until after ten and then had to breakfast, so I could not go there. The rain came down in torrents. Results? had to stick indoors. Half past one, Banks, our other lodger, got up. He's not a very early riser. Two, had dinner, rabbit, pork and pudding. Rain still coming down as though getting ready for another Noah's flood. Sitting room quite cold, felt half starved. Took bricks out of fireplace to make fire bigger. Result, landladies blowing up. Room too dark to read. Still too early to light gas. Meditation on things in general and you in particular. How I wish I were with you, or you with me. 4pm, quite dark. Landlady not turned gas on. Sat looking at fire till 5.15. Result, melancholy. More wishing for you. 5.30, tea. Could not eat any after not being out all day. 6.30, church. The most enjoyable part of the day. Beautiful service, good sermon, nice church. More wishing for you. After church commenced to write this. Marston went home yesterday to his wife. Oh, love, a few more Sundays like this and I shall be desperate. That is, to do the deed, somehow or other. It has been most miserable. Your nice long letter was the one bright spot. Keep them nice and long, dear. And then I shall be most happy to give you similar kisses at Christmas. Speaking of Christmas reminds me. Marston was prompting Mr Cooper as to the holiday we should have at Christmas. He, Marston, observed that he expected we should have three or four days holiday either at Christmas or the New Year. Mr Cooper said we should have both Christmas Day and New Year's Day, and considering that these are both Sundays, the promised holiday is not very extensive. What's to be did, love? 
With regard to my wrist, I played football yesterday with Redcar against Mask and got it hurt again. But most wonderful to relate, it seems to have strained it the other way, so that it is quite all right now. This, I suppose, is on the principle of two wrongs making a right. I was sorry to hear of your illness after the Wellington dinner. I'm afraid I must forbid you going if you persist in taking cold, love. Accept my thanks, darling, for thus visiting my mother. I'm sure she would have been pleased to see you, was she not? I hope they won't get rid of the furniture, as I shall want some of it for our establishment. The football match yesterday was a win, of course, for our side. Red Carr scored four goals, of which I got three. Mask, nil. Harrison, the captain of the Red Car team, is a splendid player. He has played with Sheffield several times. He is the schoolmaster at Redcar. They are a very nice set of fellows, all respectable, and the best singers I ever came across for a body. Harrison and his brother are really good singers, singing in quite an artistic manner. I gave them the midship right, for which I received an ovation. I had tea with Harrison, and afterwards went with him to an amateur dramatic rehearsal, in which he is to take a prominent part. He proposed that I should play for the Cleveland Association against Edinburgh on December the 24th, but of course I had to refuse. He considers that I am the best centre-forward in Middlesbrough. Aren't you proud of yours, truly? I have been in to Davis's tonight. They are very kind. No fuss or humbug about them. And just as well, we shall be seeing that he has the same screw. Remember me to carry love. By love, I mean you. It seems that Mrs B is turning out pretty fair after all. Though if I were her, I should be afraid of being served divorce papers, as the other one has been, especially seeing as she has no legal tie over him. I cannot imagine how they will be perfectly happy living in sin as they will be. Can you, love? In your love, so that I shall be exceedingly blessed by God, for which and to whom we both have reason to be thankful. My darling wife, I am as ever the same, yours devotedly, husband, lover, master, Fred. Next is a brief letter from Arthur, Fred's brother, that in the current theme of missing information has half the page torn off. 12th of December. Dear Fred, we received the postal order all right. Mother has been very poorly last week, but I think she is rather better. Our Louisa has removed to our house. We have killed our pig today. Yours is going on all right. Attercliffe managed to make a draw with Pie Bank. Healy beat Wednesday by two goals. Slavely beat Lockwoods by four goals to three. I have not any more work at present. I shall send you the... And this is where half the page is missing. The back reads, P.S. Today is my birthday. Even with the page missing, you can see what Fred means by not getting any news. However, the news that Louisa, Fred and Arthur's sister, has moved in must be a relief to everyone, particularly Anne, Fred's mother. I think what this must mean is that Louisa and her husband, Charles Lister, and I'm assuming their two youngest children, have taken up residence. We have photos of both of them. Louisa has very curly hair, just like Fred's, and the same up-tilted eyes. Charles Lister was a fireman on the railways, and he looks to be a very solid chap, with a big, broad smile. You might remember that Anne's grandson was demanding she either leave or start paying rent. Perhaps Louisa moving her family in not only would help support Anne financially, but meant that she might be saving on her own rental outgoings in their previous home. It's a very creative solution, but I can't help feeling it would have been a bit cramped in that tiny terrace two up, two down. It must, however, have been a comfort for Fred 
to know that Anne was in safe hands and that also he might be able to start saving some of his money towards getting married rather than having to send it to his mother. I'm also rather struck with the shepherds being such a tight-knit and supportive family. The Warburtons, by contrast, look to be a tempestuous lot. As reading between the lines of Fred's next letter, it looks like Janie has been dealing with the wrath of not just her sister, but her older brother, Frederick, as well. Janie must also have hinted that the shepherds are preferable to spend time with. I wonder what happened. 21 Church Street, Middlesbrough, December the 15th, 1881. My own darling wife. You must not get melancholy, or else I shall have to bring you back with me at Christmas. It seems from your letter that neither your Emma or Fred have improved in temper during my absence. I am sorry for that. Not for their sakes, but for yours, my darling. Try to bear it out a little longer, darling. We will have one of our little talks at Christmas, love, and we may see a way out of the difficulty. I wish I could see you, love, just now, and every evening, and then we should be able to bear up during the day. However, just now it cannot be. If I might suggest anything for your guidance during your dinner table squabbles, I should bring to your mind two proverbs which are A soft answer turneth away wrath, and speech is silver, but silence is golden. I know you will forgive me, love, for reminding you of these, if a reminder was necessary, and you will quite understand as only you can understand my meaning. I am glad you like going to my home, my darling, but just fancy... If that is comfort, what must ours be, love, when filled with mutual love and care, as it is sure to be, my darling? That will be bliss indeed. I am pleased that our Louisa and her husband have gone to live with my mother. I think it is by far the best arrangement. But is it settled that she can stay there? I ask you, because they never give me any particulars in their letters from home. They generally consist about a page with nothing in them at all. Now your letters, love, are something like... I am always anxiously awaiting them, and they give me complete satisfaction when they come. I almost expected to receive one yesterday, but I suppose you would be busy on Tuesday. I should have written for tonight's post, but we have been so busy I could not screw on in. You must not fail to write for Sunday, love, will you? I got a letter from Barker, the secretary of Attercliffe FC, this morning, asking if I could get over on December the 31st and January the 2nd to play for the Challenge Cups. Later on, I got a telegram from Joe Smith, Ted's brother-in-law, asking me to be sure and get off for Saturday as they are in a fix and expect to lose if I am not there. I telegraphed back that I could not possibly get for Saturday, but might manage the others by stopping here at Christmas and going to Sheffield for the new year. Attercliffe play Middlesbrough here on the 26th so that I should be able to play with them on that day and may possibly play with Middlesbrough on the 24th against Edinburgh. What course do you suggest, love, as I place implicit reliance on your judgement? It would be almost a pity to waste two afternoons footballing out of my holiday, much as I like footballing, and that I cannot imagine Christmas being very lively at this place. Alvi came on Monday and he has the same feeling as I had at first. He says he wishes that he had never come. He seems that he has left his heart behind him so that the feeling is quite accountable and I can fully sympathise with him. Since his arrival, I have not been so hard worked. It is very pleasant to see another doing all the rough work, I myself doing the best. I feel quite bossism. 
He is a very good worker and we get along splendidly. Mr. Cooper gives me more power and more responsibility every day. The power I am quite able to bear and the responsibility I am not afraid of, so that I am pretty comfortably situated. I used to think when at Brown, Bailey and Dixon that it must be nice to be a gaffer and all going on well, my ambition will be realised. Mr. Cooper has said again that he intends me to have full charge and he has asked me to work up the bookkeeping which is the only point on which I'm shaky, so that I shall be master of the whole job, or as he put it, master of the situation. I had thought of trying to get off on the Friday night until Tuesday morning. I should very much like to leave on Friday night, because if I leave on the Saturday, you may be perhaps too busy to come and meet me, and the train is almost sure to be two or three hours late, which will be so much time wasted. There is ye old English fair going on here at present, and I have not been... I do not like to spend any money and I still cannot save any. At present, I only have 24 shillings after my six weeks' stay. There's nothing else for it, I think, but that you shall have to save it for me here. But how to start here is the question. We shall have to balance up a Christmas, I think, and see how we stand. I do wish I had you here, love. These are very comfortable lodgings, as lodgings go, but then you do not care to say anything if there is anything that doesn't suit you, whereas if I had a home of my own, I could grumble as long as you liked, my darling, which would not be long. I wrote to Fred on Tuesday. He will not have much holiday this Christmas, only a fortnight, quite a short time for him. Remember me to your people who I hope improve in health and temper and accept my unchanging love on your behalf and believe me to remain your loving and faithful husband, though unworthy of my queen. P.S. Many thanks for the timetable received this evening. I thought I should just add a line today. The other part was written last night. I was dreaming about you last night, my darling, and strange to say, this morning Marston says, What do you think? I was dreaming that your young lady came to the office to call for you. I said, I hope not this side of Christmas. Wasn't it curious both dreaming about you, love? I expect I'm going down with Alvy to Redcar to play at football. He is awfully downhearted, even worse than I was. I think he is very much in love, ever more than I was, judging from a scrap of paper I picked up, and with it a rough draft of part of a letter. I enclose it for your edification. 150 kisses. That beats our record, doesn't it, love? But I have no doubt we shall be able to make up quite that number at Christmas if left to ourselves. For myself, I prefer a less number of a greater length each. Don't you? Besides, to us... If I might say so, kisses are not the most intense form of happiness. If I remember all right, the time is up on Sunday. Perhaps you will be able to give me an idea of when you expect, if or not, in your letter tomorrow. If not, what's to be did, love, in the matter? Shall I have to look out for a home for you in this place or not? I suppose we cannot fully settle that until I see you at Christmas, for I expect that you will decide on my coming home at Christmas if only for the day. We have had some sharp frosts here, but they do not stay above two nights, so that there is not skating yet. They say that this is a famous place for skating. Do you remember our last skate, love, on the ice? Glorious. Wish I was going to have another with you in the same place, don't you? I shall have to dry up. Only eight days, love, and then, ye gods, bliss, enjoyment, delight, love, happiness everything in you, darling. Your ownest own, Fred. That bit about time being up on Sunday 
was another inquiry into Jane's missing periods. For all their mithering about if they should have to speed up the wedding or not, I'm gratified to notice that there has never been any question in Fred's mind about not marrying Janie if she were to be expecting. His commitment to her is completely sincere. Until this letter, I don't think that I had appreciated quite how in demand our Fred was as a footballer. To be in receipt of a panicked telegram, or telegraph as Fred terms it, hoping that he could play must have been rather flattering. By the 1880s, sending a telegraph was very much part of everyday life. In the UK, the service had been nationalised by 1870 and was won by the General Post Office to keep costs down as a public service. However, it was still more expensive than sending a letter. It was a shilling, or sixpence, for 20 words. Between 1885 and 1887, telegraph traffic increased from 33 million messages a year to 50 million. I've noticed Fred using the telegraph for his business duties before, but I think this is the first mention of it being part of his personal life too. Speaking of business duties, Mr Cooper is really building Fred up here. It's lovely to see Fred rising to the challenge of shaping his clerical team and deciding that being a gaffer would suit him well. Is this the Victorian equivalent of aspiring to middle management? Not bad for a working class lad from Attercliffe. Fred continues to wonder as to what is the best course of action regarding football demands in his next letter, and it looks that Janie must have mentioned Emma's behaviour again, this time something embarrassing in front of Janie's friend Carrie, judging by Fred's comments. 21 Church Street, Middlesbrough, Sunday December 18th, 1881. My own darling, you must really excuse the pencil, but I cannot find the ink, and I thought if I left it until tomorrow I might not have time so would have to wait another day for a letter, and I know from personal experience that is not very pleasant. I thought it best to mention the reason, as you might think it rather disrespectful writing to you in pencil. Your letter, which I received this morning, was a perfect treat, as all your letters are, my darling. It has done me the world of good. They always do. They are the bright spots in this veil of blackness. Call that poetic. Your purchases for our house are getting quite extensive. I'm sorry that I cannot do likewise, but I have no idea what to get. If you can give me a list, I shall be very happy to get them, although where to store them, I have not yet found out. I have the same wish as you with respect to the legacy. It would be very kindly. I'm glad you don't let Emma's nasty temper make you forget your own angelic one, and so retort in her own kind. That I could never agree with. I could trust you, my love, to do the very best under all circumstances, no matter what. I am sorry that it did not make it pleasanter for Carrie, as she, poor girl, needs sympathy now more than anything else. This sympathy I am sure she would get from you, my darling, my sympathiser, my everything. Oh, love, you know how I yearn for you, to feel your lips on mine, your hand in mine, your breast to mine, my love, my wife. With respect to the footballing at Christmas, Much as I like it, I cannot stop away from you, my love, though I am sorry to say that I shall not be able to come on the Sunday night. But for balance, that I am to have Monday and Tuesday. Three whole days, love, of heaven with one angel, your sweet self. I don't know how we shall manage on Saturday night, but shall write again, love. If you cannot come to meet me, I will be sure to come up, if only for an hour. Will you please ask your father to put me in the raffle? 
and then I can take the goose or hare down with me. I have no doubt we will be able to get more than 150 kisses during three days, my darling, and it is pleasurable to think of the intense enjoyment which will be derived from that operation. It has been miserably wet here this last week, but as you say, it would not have affected us, love, in the least. I am sure you will succeed, my darling, in making me perfectly happy, and I will try to make you so. Your threat that you will pull my nose I will gladly undergo, if not too hard, for the recompense that is sure to follow. I did not go to Redcar yesterday. It turned out very wet in the afternoon and night, so did not sprain my wrist, which is going on all right. I am sorry to hear that your father is not so well. Shall be able to cheer him up a bit when I come. Polly Rowe and you seem to be getting quite friendly. That is, I suppose, when she is agreeable. We'll endeavour to comfort you, as only I can at our Christmas, my darling. You must not let it sour your temper, though you could not be sour with me, could you, love? Six days from now, love, and then bliss, etc., etc., etc. You can fill in the rest, or rather, we will fill in the rest. Or shall I say, I will fill in the blank. Rest required, no doubt. Marston and I went down to the South Bank on Friday night to see Blocklow Vaughan Works. We were there about four hours. We'll give you full particulars at Christmas. Everything at Christmas, love. I went to St Paul's Church this morning. This afternoon, Alvy and I went to smoke a pipe of peace with Mr Glover. He seems pretty comfortable, though his diggings are not near so nice as mine, nor so well situated. Later on, we went to the park and then home to tea. After tea, we went to All Saints Church. I thought St Paul's was a very pretty church, and so it is, but All Saints is a most beautiful church. Shall have much pleasure in showing you the sights of Middlesbrough, my darling, in good time. 24 times 6 equals 144, minus 4 equals 140 hours love to our meeting. I shall count the hours to then. I can have the Monday in the following week if I like, so that if I can get out of Cliff FC to pay my expenses, I shall come over then as well. It would seem such a pity not to take advantage of any holiday to spend with my little wife. Oh, love, how I love you. Ten thousand kisses more than ever. It will be like a dream at Christmas, my love. Do you remember our first Christmas day, love? When it snowed. What a happy day that was. As all of them have been. As all our courtship has been. As all our life will be, I trust, my darling. I shall have to close now. Remember me in your prayers as I do you, love. Good night, wifey. Good night, my love. My life. My everything. My darling. I am your love alone, Fred. December the 19th, 1881. P.S. I could not refrain from making you suffer for a few more lines. I see by this morning's paper that Attercliffe have lost the cup tie, for which I am very sorry, but I consider it was more my interest to stay here last Saturday than to go there to play in a coming match. Of course, they would have won if I'd been there. You must write back per return post, and then I will do the same so that we shall be able to have another letter each before Christmas. You missed one question in your last letter, which perhaps you can answer now. I mean with respect yesterday, or rather, what should have come yesterday. If the worst has happened, love, shall I come over at Christmas, or shall I stop here and save money for the event? I shall be entirely in your hands. I do so long to see you. It is now 11 o'clock. 24 times 5 equals 120 plus eight equals 128 hours to our meeting, love. My mouth is beginning to water for a kiss now. 
Do you think we shall be able to get a dance in during my holiday? If so, I will bring my shiny slippers. I should like a dance if it could be managed. Do you think I shall be able to stop one night at your house, and then we should save all the walking up and down? I don't know how I shall dispose of my time, as I shall have to see O'Donnell, Hagen, Ted and Fred. I shall have to have dinner at six places during three days, and I promised faithfully to see Hagen at their house. How can it be managed, love? I always turn to you in my difficulties. Two heads are better than one. We shall be obliged to have a council of war. I should like to spend all the time with you, but my friends have been so good that I cannot very well shirk them altogether. Will you allow me to suggest that if you don't write back for Wednesday, there'll be a row? You know our rows, love, generally ending kisses, so you need not be afraid. Another half hour nearer, love. 6pm. 122 hours, love. It's a Saturday night. Oh, won't it be joyful when we see to part no more? My darling Janie, I do love you dearly. Fred. The origins of the Block Clovorn works that Fred and Marston visit are the reason that Middlesbrough became, well, Middlesbrough. Blocklow and Vaughan were the founders of the iron-producing industry back in the 1840s, and by the time Fred was visiting them, were well on their way to becoming the largest producers of pig iron in the world. It's no wonder that Mr Cooper and others cited their steel mill so close. I'm feeling confident in presuming that Northeastern Steel were buying their pig iron from Blocklow Vaughan, and that Fred and Marston were facilitating the associated paperwork. Our Fred seems pulled in all directions, and I have so much sympathy for him and Janie, as the precious time they want to spend over Christmas seems so oversubscribed by all of Fred's friends, and no news of Janie's periods either. I wonder if Fred was biting his nails by this point. We'll leave it there for now. Thank you for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. Next time... We'll find out how Janie and Fred managed to sort out what they were doing for Christmas and the New Year. In the meantime, perhaps you could show the podcast some love by clicking on the ratings, leaving a review, or sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it. And if you'd like to write to me, you can at myloveletter_time_machine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.